Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the images we have of Jesus is Jesus as the great physician, the great healer. In the gospel, we hear many stories of miracles in which Jesus heals the sick, cures the lame, and makes the blind see. Then we hear from him the promise of the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. One of the greatest ways he tells us of this promise is in the account of how he heals Jairus' daughter. Jairus is the leader of a local synagogue, and he had heard about Jesus, and he heard of what Jesus could do. His daughter is sick, and she's not getting any better, and so he comes to Jesus one day, and he pleads with Jesus, Come to my home, lay your hands on my daughter, heal her, and make her well. And Jesus responds to his pleas for mercy. But as they are traveling towards Jairus' house, his daughter dies. And a group of people come out of his house and meet Jesus along the way to tell him, Jesus, you don't need to come the rest of the way. You came too late. Your help is no longer needed. There is nothing else you could do. But Jesus continued on. He arrived at the house and he asked everyone to leave except for those closest to him because he knew that he was not too late. And so he went into the home, went up to the girl's room, took her by the hand, and said, Little girl, arise. And her spirit returned to her, and she got up and she ate. Jesus, the great physician, had made her well. He had brought her back to life. But this was not an isolated incident in the gospel accounts. Because over and over again, we hear stories of people crying out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy. And then we see him respond. He hears their pleas. He heals their bodies. And he makes them well. And that's what makes this night so special. Because tonight is the night when we see the great physician at work for the sake of every person he calls to be his own. He's heard the cries of mercy that come from wounded, sin-sick souls, and he knows that he needs to answer our cry. That left on our own, we would never find healing and restoration, that we would only become more and more sick as our sin eats away at our lives and our beings, because we cannot heal ourselves on our own. We can only make ourselves more sick, piling on more sin, continuing to damage our frail, death-bound bodies without any hope of healing on our own. So it's into this sin-sick world that Jesus gathers his disciples around a table the night before he dies. And he breaks bread and gives thanks, and he gives it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he takes a cup, and he gives it to them, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This 
is why the Lord's Supper is such an important part of the Christian's life. We do it in remembrance of him and to proclaim his death until he comes again. So what do we remember as we receive his body and blood? We remember that he came to answer our cry for mercy. He came to heal sin-sick souls. So we remember that his body and blood was sacrificed in order to bring the forgiveness of sins and the reconciliation of God's people back to him. We remember that Jesus has done all of this because he wants to make you well and heal you from the sin that has wreaked havoc in your lives. And as we remember this, we proclaim to ourselves, to each other, and to the world around us, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Because we stand in the face of the evil one and all who would seek to destroy God's holy people, and we are able to rejoice with thanksgiving because Jesus' death is our death, his life is our life, and he has promised to come again. And when he comes again, he will bring full healing to our souls and our bodies with the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. And so we gather tonight to be reminded that the great physician has come to give the medicine of immortality, not in a pill, but in his body and blood. The bread and wine that we receive that is his body and blood attached to it, in with and under it, we say, so that we can receive all the medicine that Christ has come to give those sick with the sin in their world. The healing that comes to those crying out for mercy. And so if Jesus is the physician that prescribes the medicine that we need to find healing, and immortality. Then we heard in our epistle lesson for this evening, Paul the pharmacist, who helps us understand how we are to take that medicine correctly, the dosage we need to receive the benefits it brings and not be harmed by what we have taken. So St. Paul talks about this night by going on to say, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why so many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Now this is a part of the Lord's Supper. Not many Christians like to think about. It's the part we'd rather ignore. It's the warning label that comes with the, the medicine of immortality. It's also the reality that just like any other medication, there are true benefits that come from using it the way that it was intended, but there are also consequences that come from using it in a way that it was not designed or by people who should not receive it. While we don't normally think of the Lord's Supper in this way, it should not be surprise us that this medicine of immortality has this part as well. After all, we understand how medicine works. It's a big part of our lives. Over 70% of American adults take at least one medication each day, and more than half take at least two. And the options available to you are seemingly endless. 
The FDA, which oversees the safety of medication, has approved or licensed over 20,000 different kinds of prescription drugs and the products that support them, all of them designed to bring health and healing into your way of life. They're designed to cure what ails you. For them to do that, they need to be used in a certain way. We understand how this works, that the doctors prescribe the medicine, but it's the pharmacist who, who comes and hands you the bag with the medicine inside and says, do you understand what needs to happen? Here is the dose you need to take, the time you need to take it, and please take all of it so you don't get sick again. Because if you don't do it right, you become more sick, you can have bad side effects. You'll never see improvement. And then with certain medications, if you use them incorrectly, you can become dependent on them, and addiction will become a part of your life. Abuse them severely, and you could even die. So when Paul talks about the medicine of immortality, when he talks about the Lord's Supper, he's simply doing what a good pharmacist would do. And he warns you of the consequences of abusing the medicine that Jesus is prescribing to the sin-sick soul, who's begging to him for help, asking him to hear their cry of mercy. He is warning that those who do not believe these words abuse the medicine he gives. Just like someone who takes pain medication for reasons not prescribed, or who buys decongestants without having a cold, or taking NyQuil because they want to sleep and don't have a cough. Just as they all abuse and misuse the medication, so too, Paul tells us, we can abuse and misuse the medication God gives his people. And this, too, can have long-term consequences. For the people of Corinth, it became so severe that they became sick and some even died because they abused the Lord's Supper. If you can become sick and die, if you can sin against the body of Christ because you've misused and abused the Lord's Supper, then it would be negligent and cruel to choose to ignore the warning label that comes with the medicine of immortality. It would be cruel and sinful on the part of, her, of the church and her pastors to look the other way when someone is trying to use the Lord's Supper incorrectly. We would never let somebody do something that would hurt them. We should never let them sin and hurt themselves simply because we think it's the nice thing to do. Because allowing someone to stay in their sin is never nice. It is cruel. And it is sinful on your part as well. And so we do not just hand out the medicine freely because we do not give it to those to whom it is not prescribed. We do not give it to the unbaptized, those unable to examine themselves, those who have not been properly instructed, or those who confess a different confession of faith than we do, because it would destroy the unity of the body, and those who do not believe it to be Christ's true body and blood take it and abuse it. Those who are openly unrepentant, who live contrary to God's word, those who refuse to be reconciled to their neighbor, by refusing to forgive them of their sins. For these people, the medicine of immortality is exactly the medicine they need, but it is not the medicine they can yet have. Because until they have started to heal through God's word and baptism and confession and absolution, the Lord's Supper will not help them. 
but only bring harm to their body and soul. So how do you receive the Lord's Supper correctly? How do you receive the medicine of immortality to your benefit instead of to your harm? You are worthy and well-prepared to receive the Lord's Supper when you have faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This is how we receive it correctly, to have faith in these words of Jesus, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This means you have been baptized, instructed in the faith, repentant of your sins, that you do not desire to continue to live in a sinful life, and that by faith you know that this is the body and blood of Christ, and you have forgiven as God has forgiven you, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. See, the one who is worthy to receive this medicine is the one who understands they're not actually worthy to receive it on their own, but that it is given to them only through the grace and mercy of Jesus, that through his death you have been forgiven and he has given it to you. It's when your faith takes hold of this that you are worthy to receive the Lord's Supper. It's when your faith takes hold of this, that the medicine of immortality given by the great physician heals your sin-sick soul and answers your cry for mercy. Amen. In the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.